Welcome into the For the Throne Dynasty podcast, starring your defending champion, Cascade Bear, Stirk Daddy, Justin STP6, Andy Pollock, Randy Santarelli, D. Slackey, the debut of House Deets, Candle Still Lit, Little Slads, WGL 1035, Prince Palmer 17, Lefty 79, and Bucks in 6. Welcome back to another episode of the Fourth Throne Dynasty Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode. So how this episode is going to work, first of all, I'm going to do a portion by myself. I'm going to include just a couple Dynasty tips, reminders, Things I've learned over the last three years, obviously Dynasty being my favorite platform to do for, for football, um, we're going to do a two-round, way-too-early rookie mock draft, so it's the Meyer Mock Draft 1.0. We're going to transition then. I'm going to bring Will in. We're going to do our awards, um, and then also he's going to kind of give his opinion on what he thinks most of the teams in our league are going to do so appreciate you guys listening um hopefully you guys get some good insight from this obviously this is all an opinion and not real so again like we've talked about four years now take everything we say with a grain of salt but you know i feel like at least will justin and myself um you know doing podcasts week in week out we have to be pretty educated so obviously not a slander to the rest but as most know i live and die fantasy i read tons of articles listen to tons of podcasts pretty much my my biggest passion so i feel like i'm pretty educated on a variety of topics and i use a lot of resources to you know give you guys opinions and hopefully you take something from it because obviously i wouldn't be doing this if i didn't think you could so Here's kind of how we're going to get started. Now, uh, I listen to a couple podcasts, my, primarily the ones that I would recommend. Obviously, I listen to the fantasy footballers. They do a little bit of dynasty, but not much. It's more about rebuild or redraft, I should say, and then also in-season management. So they do occasionally talk about dynasty. Now that we're in the off-season, they'll be talking about it substantially more. Um, the main podcast I would listen to that deals with dynasty is dynasty nerds. Now I just for Christmas used some of my money I got and I subscribed to their dynasty GM. Uh, it's, it's like a $50 annual subscription. And basically what happens is it analyzes all your leagues that you choose it to analyze for. It'll tell you what you need to focus on. It has a trade calculator, which I've used in a plenty of different places It'll show you uh, in our league who is the strongest at each position. It'll also, something I found super cool about it is it'll show you trades that have legitimately happened in Sleeper MFL, which is my fantasy league. Um, It's kind of old, but it's very, very personalized. ESPN, Yahoo, it'll tell you Flea Flicker. It'll show you trades that happen for specific players that you're interested in, just so you can kind of analyze the value of the player in other leagues and not just take your own personal opinion. Um, 
So it gives you a good starting point. Obviously, shout out Justin, lives and dies by the calculator. Um, we don't want to be like Justin. Uh, we want to you know, use it as a starting point and as a tool, not to determine if we're going to accept or decline a trade. I'm not actually flaming him, but obviously uh, we know Justin will plug any trade into a calculator that comes his way rather than just the eye test. But, you know, obviously it's to each of their own. And if that's your opinion or kind of how you do it, that's that's your that's your approach. And you can do as you'd like. You don't have to get a trade calculator. Um, you know, I can guarantee some people in our league don't have any trade calculators and have never used them. They just kind of go off their eye test. There's pros and cons to that. Obviously, you have professionals that do this day in, day out that are putting values on the players and picks. And, you know, your eye test, obviously, if you're putting an outlandish price point on a player or on a pick, you're not going to have anybody that's interested in it. You know, um, obviously, what you see on the field for NFL might be completely different than the value of the player in fantasy. For example, if you look at players such as Taysom Hill, who is not a good NFL quarterback, always more valuable because he's a weapon. He's using the passing game. He's using the running game. Multiple different areas in which he strives. So, you know, you got you to gotta do your pros and cons and evaluate on a variety of different perspectives as well. But Dynasty Nerds, I like them. They're Cleveland Browns fans, so you can clearly feel the pain that they go through uh, when they talk about the Browns. <clears throat> Obviously, it comes with them being biased towards Browns fans as well. I mean, I consider myself somewhat biased towards Charger players. You know, this guy I used to listen to, Kyle Yates, incredibly biased towards Bears fans. He thinks Darnell Mooney is a bona fide wide receiver one right now, which isn't the fact. Um still believed in Allen Robinson throughout the entire season. Just, you know, obviously we have our own biases, but we got to take that into consideration. Uh, so fantasy footballers, uh, dynasty nerds. There's a guy on YouTube. He does more of what's called Devi, which you guys may not have heard of, but Devi is basically where, you know, how we do our rookie drafts. They basically do their drafts and you're drafting college players. So incoming freshmen in college, um, you might have also heard like Campus to Canton, I think that's what it's called, where you literally draft high school players and high school recruits. That's a little too intense for my liking. Same with the Devi Leagues. But he does a lot, a lot, a lot of focus and watching of college tape. So that's clearly very important from the drafting perspective. Once they get into the NFL, then you obviously read articles, you watch them on the field, and it's just based on their actual NFL production. Well, with Devi, you spend a lot more time watching college tape. Uh, Ray, G, Ray GQ is his name on YouTube. If you have any interest, especially as we approach draft season, uh, he's awesome. He's actually an attorney by practice, uh, but he also is pretty much a full-time fantasy uh, draft analyst as well for the fantasy community. So he's very educated. Um, I've heard him on a couple other podcasts. Uh, he was like a guest. And I've really liked it whenever he's came on. So I kind of dig into his stuff. It's directly on YouTube. He does a lot of tape. Um, and I think he played college ball as well. So clearly he can resonate in that area. Those are the main areas that I really look at um, in terms of podcasts. Uh, there's clearly tons of websites you can utilize as well. 
obviously I point you again to Dynasty GM if you did fantasy footballers. Um, there's fantasy pros. I've kind of become sour to fantasy pros uh, due to a variety of their values that they vi- violated over the last couple of years. Um, unfortunately, one of their main analysts just died because of COVID in the last year and a half. So obviously that's very, very sad. I used to follow fantasy pros quite a quite a bit, but um, I, I just don't really like their analysts and their podcasts aren't the best either. In my personal opinion, obviously you each have your own opinion, but so the dynasty GM is definitely the one that I would recommend. You know, if you just go onto YouTube as it approaches draft season and you want to know something about a specific player, you can search them. If you want to see a mock draft, there's tons of people that do them and they might just be mediocre like myself, or they might be professionals that do this and research tons and tons of information. So that's just kind of my plug on. You know, educating yourself and not just going off of, you know, your own personal opinions. It does help. Obviously, you have your own opinions, which is a great, you know, asset as well. But there's other people that you can confide in also. Uh, The second thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, when we look at our teams, we can clearly see where the teams are that are all in or contending teams. I could shoot it right off the top of my head. Stirk Daddy, contending, doesn't really have any picks. Cascade, contending, doesn't have any picks. No, I don't count fourth-round picks. Okay, Randy, contending, doesn't have any picks. Andy, contending and rebuilding. So, you know, I would say without question, Andy's in the best dynasty uh, standpoint right now because she has a ton of picks and a ton of good players on her team. That What she did when she unloaded Christian McCaffrey and she was bad for – what was it, a year and a half? It was a very, very quick rebuild. You can see that that is awesome because she's going to be set for years. Um, she did it right. you know. Uh, but if we look at some of the other teams, like teams on the bottom, obviously we have some teams that are rebuilding, such as myself, um, such as Lefty. Uh, I guess you could say Ryan a little bit as well. You wouldn't initially think that by looking at his roster, but I would say Ryan is, is rebuilding. Um, but you definitely have to commit to one or the other. That's my opinion. You know, you either have to be all in and you're going all for vets. Older guys, guys that are going to help you win and score now. Or you contend and you look for guys that are projects. And even if they have potential and you don't really know what they're going to turn into, you buy them at a low point so that if they would go up in value, you either, wow, you have a great player right now or you can offload them for substantially more assets for your team. So I think that you always have to commit to one or the other. You have to be contending or you have to be rebuilding. If you're in the middle, it's incredibly frustrating. If you're right at the middle of, you know, seven and six, six and seven, obviously we have 14 weeks, so eight and six, six and eight, seven and seven, that can get quite frustrating, especially if you're barely making the playoffs and not making a run or barely missing the playoffs. You have to do one or the other. And, Obviously, being a $50 league, it's not ideal to be bad, but that comes with a price because obviously if you set yourself up right in the rebuilding, you can be good and contending for many, many years just by doing it right. So you really have to identify, is your team going to be a contender? I want each of you to look at your team right now and say, do you think I can contend for a title in 2022? If you say yes, 
I would assume that your goal this offseason is to make your team deeper, to give yourself more NFL-ready, fantasy-ready players. If it's not, you probably should be getting rid of all your vets that are of anything of value, especially if they have a little shelf life left. Look what happened with Todd Gurley. Not calling out little slads because he got a pretty rough hand when he was brought into the league and he was in the expansion draft, but the person that drafted for his team took literally, what was it, four Rams in the first five picks? Just preposterous. But Todd Gurley was a first-round pick. Melvin Gordon was a first-round pick. Yes, Melvin Gordon had a great last year, but running backs, they die off very quickly. Todd Gurley, if you don't sell him early enough, he's nothing. Look at him now. He's not on a roster. NFL career is most likely over. Things change very, very quickly. So, again, commit to either being rebuilding or contending. Never in the middle. That's my advice. The last thing I have here before we get into just team needs and mock drafts is what I consider to be the three most important things of Dynasty. Number one, knowing when to buy a player. Just gave you an example. So if there's a player that, you know, has had some really good games, but, you know, not consistent, they're young, you believe they have high potential, you probably want to buy them at a point where they're going to be cheap. This could also be if you're buying a player and this is kind of risky, that's going to be a free agent, and you think that they're going to be getting a good contract, they're going to be paid like the starter. That's another example where you'd want to buy. You obviously want to buy, it's just like the stock market. You want to buy low and you want to sell high. Speaking of sell high, that's my second point here, knowing when to sell. For example, if we look at some of the running backs, such as Elvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, Delvin Cook, all three of them have dealt with injuries. They're all top-tier running backs. I guess you could even throw Saquon in there as well. All top-tier running backs. But if you don't know much about running backs, they're pretty much at their most valuable on their rookie contract. So, yes, we have some outliers like Nick Chubb. Um, but after that rookie contract, most running backs fall off, and teams are apt to go ahead and draft a new running back second third round giving him a high draft capital second round is basically the first round for a running back um unless you're the chiefs in your draft Clyde Edwards Hilaire right so knowing when to sell even this includes for a player that you feel like is worth nothing just trading them for even they don't seem valuable for a fourth fifth sixth round pick getting something before you can't get anything and you eventually have to cut them um so for example like I knew at the trade deadline that D Slaggy said he was all in on last season. He made it very clear. Had no running backs at all. McCaffrey got hurt. Had Connor, no one else for his running back. Mike Davis, come on. Saquon was hurt. I have Devontae Booker. I'm not contending. I'm looking for picks. So clearly if I have a conversation with D Slaggy, he's looking to win. He's looking to grab a win or a couple wins. You want to give him a running back that's going to have value because eventually they're going to be worth nothing, right? So Devontae Booker, I mean, he's not the clear starter for the Giants. It's Saquon. So you got to know when to sell. That's point number two. Number three is drafting. Drafting is very, very important because in Dynasty, obviously, we don't redraft our entire team. You have to be able to hit on your draft picks. And that also includes trading some of your veterans for future picks. Again, if you are committing to a rebuild, it's okay for you to get multiple picks that are going to help you in the long run. Again, I'm not trying to use myself as an example or Will, but Will and I have multiple first-round picks. 
Will has multiple second-round picks. His team is still pretty solid, but he's done a really good job of packaging together picks. You want to have that because if you look at your team, like obviously Randy is contending, but he has no picks at all until 2024 when he's back to normal. He has a first next year, but knowing that he's in a window right now to compete, you would assume that he's going to get rid of that for some sort of vet that's going to help him win. Those are the three main aspects of Dynasty. Knowing when to buy, knowing when to sell, and then hitting on your draft. That's all I got for some takeaways. Hopefully you took something of value of that. And let's go forward and talk about our teams in our league that are going to be drafting in the first two rounds as of now. So as of current traded picks, who's in the first two rounds? Well, there's 10 teams that have at least one pick in the first 24 with the exception being Cascade Bear and Stirk Daddy. Those are the only two teams that do not have a pick in the first 24. So basically what I'm going to do here, just for my uh, analysis that I did before starting this, I took all 10 teams and I basically scored them on their need for the position. I only focus on quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end because those are the only four positions that should be taken in the first two rounds. You look at Aiden Hutchinson, you look at Kayvon Thibodeau. Yes, they're great edge rushers, but, I mean, are they generational talents? To be determined, but probably want to focus on positional players. However, I could say you could see a bunch of IDPs being thrown into the end of the second round this year because it's not that deep of a draft. Spoiler alert, it's not the best draft. Next year, oh my God, great quarterbacks, great running backs. Don't really know much about the wideouts. The wideouts this year are pretty good. 2024, holy crap, the running backs, awesome. Um, the top wide receiver next year, I'm trying to think of his name. He um, is from Ohio State. I believe he had like five touchdowns and like 300 yards or something. Um, let's see. His name is, oh boy. No, not Braylon James. Where is his name? All right, I'm going to go on a quick pause here. I'm going to find the name of the guy that had five touchdowns. Now, I mentioned that the quarterbacks are really good for next year. That also, the running backs are good. Like, I don't know if you've heard the names of B. John Robinson, Tank Bigsby, Zach Evans. Um, but here is the wide receiver. His name is Jackson Smith Najiba. He is from Ohio State. He had an unbelievable game uh, in the recent history, which is funny because uh, Ohio State also has two pretty good wide receivers in this upcoming draft who are Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson names to remember definitely uh but yeah Jackson Smith Najiba is the the name of the guy who uh he set a bunch of records I guess for like receiving yards and touchdowns 347 yards holy fuck against Utah um so 
regardless, back to what I was kind of talking about, it's not that deep of a draft, but 23 and 24 um, are looking pretty good. And to be honest, a lot there's been one draft in the last 15 years that's been hyped up that's been bad, and that was the year with like Laquan Treadwell, um, uh, Kevin White. There was one draft class that was not good. Um, So, you know, you got to take what people say in terms of a good draft class. Uh, You got to really pay attention to that. Okay, so let's go ahead here. So, again, 10 means that they desperately need that. One means they shouldn't even be looking at that position unless it's like best player available later in the draft. They, They shouldn't even be considering that position. So let's start with lefty. Lefty was the worst team in our league this year so if we look at the quarterback right now i ranked it a eight out of ten now the only reason being that he doesn't have a second quarterback so he's got tua tua we'd assume is going to be the future of the dolphins especially getting rid of flores because flores and tua didn't really get along i guess i could even change that score down to a seven because tua does have some potential and he does use his legs so I'm going to go with a 7. I'm going to change that number quickly because it's not like a dire need, um, as you're going to see a little later. Lefty for his running back, I gave him his need score a 9 out of 10. This is his main focus. He has Miles Gaskin and Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell, but not much else outside of that. Definitely his main focus. I would be very, very shocked, to be honest, because there's really three at the top. If Lefty, with his 102, unless he makes a trade for a young running back, does not take a running back. So nine is my running back score. Wide receiver, I have it as a six just because he does need more depth. And he rightfully will admit that. All positions he can really use help at. Um, but, you know, he's got the 201. We'll kind of see what he does with that pick in this mock draft. Tight end I have as a six right now. He does have Jonu Smith and Gronkowski, but Gronk's going to be gone pretty soon. John Smith's not really the guy. It's Hunter Henry. I have it as a six. He could definitely use another tight end. So after you can see, he does have some areas he needs to focus on, whether that be in the trade or in the draft. But 100%, his main focus has to be on a running back. Next, we have myself. So quarterback, I have myself ranked at a nine just because I need a second quarterback. Uh, Cam Newton, probably not going to start again. Jameis Winston, no clue coming up that torn ACL. And then I have Ryan Tannehill, but he's a starter. He got paid to be a starter, uh, but I don't have anybody else. So I definitely need a quarterback in this draft. And I have the picks to do so, or I can make a trade in this offseason. Running back, I have my score being a seven, just because I do have a couple good young running backs with potential with J.K. Dobbins, CEH, and uh, Travis Etienne. But no such thing as too many running backs. My wideout score I have is a three right now because I, outside of Michael Pittman, none of them are like bona fide starters for me. And it's kind of a grab bag, but I have a lot of guys with young potential. My tight end score I put as a one, uh, not saying that like I'm locked and loaded on tight ends, but not really an area I need to focus on having Fryermuth and Fant and then a couple other people on the team. Let's look at Prince Palmer. At the quarterback, I scored him a seven. He definitely needs a second. He has Darnold as his second right now. He's not going to be a starter. Sorry, Darnold. It's Lamar and no one else. Running back, oh my God. I gave it a 10. He has Alvin Kamara, who you're going to hear Will and I talk about later. 
um, as being a guy he could potentially offload because he's not competing for a title. Uh, but I have his RB score as a 10 because outside of that, he has Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake. That's it. He's got to take a running back. And luckily for him, he has the third and the fourth pick as well as he has the potential to trade. Wide out, I gave him a score of six just because I don't like Kenny Galladay and what we saw from him this year. He has Jamar Chase, though. He has DJ Moore. But, you know, he could definitely use some depth. Tight end, I gave him a score of four just because he does need a second um, behind Kyle Pitts. But obviously, Kyle Pitts is easily the tight end one going forward in Dynasty. Um, Didn't score many touchdowns, but tons and tons of yardage. Don't really see that as an area of need, but he does gonna he's gonna have to have a second tight end. Let's move on to Little Slads. At his quarterback position, I gave him a score of five. Uh, right now he has Jared Goff and Tom Brady. So he's fine right now, but neither one of them has a guaranteed future. Tom Brady could retire at any point. Jared Goff could get retire or uh, replaced at any point. Jordan Love is probably not gonna be the starting quarterback for the Packers. Um, especially if, you know, Rodgers stays around. Kind of a wasted pick by the Packers, as we all know. Outside of that, he's got really nothing. So, you know, I think he has Trey Lance. If he has Trey Lance, he might be fine. But, you know, Trey Lance even is in some issues right now with Jimmy Garoppolo playing so good and being the starting quarterback right now in the playoffs. So, uh, second, we got running back. I have him as a score of six. Again, Little Slads is, I don't believe, contending for a title. So Derrick Henry is another guy that you could see on the move this offseason because he is a very, very high price that he could get for him. Um, And then outside of that, Damien Harris, Devin Singletary, A.J. Dillon. I mean, those are all like, what, RB2s? None of them are bona fide running backs. He could definitely use one here in the draft. Wideouts, I got him at a 7. I think that's a more area of need. Who knows what's going to happen in Washington with Terry McLaurin. Uh, Juju coming off an injury. Played a couple snaps last week. Um, but he's only on a one-year deal. We don't know even what's going to happen with him. Tight end. Oh, my God. This is the biggest need of anybody in this entire table I'm looking at. He is a 10 on tight end. He needs literally anybody because Jared Cook is a free agent. He's not good, and he's not going to be coming back to the Chargers as a starter. Holy crap, does he need a tight end. He has no one else. Hayden Hurst, that's it. He needs a tight end. It's obvious. In the draft, in a trade, something. He just needs a tight end. Someone give him a tight end, please. Then we got Candle still lit. Quarterback, he's got a three. I gave him a three because he's got Rodgers. He's got Daniel Jones. Okay, gross. Until they draft the quarterback, I'd assume. He's got Deshaun Watson, who I'm going to assume is going to get traded this year, and he's obviously a stud quarterback. Running back, I have a score of six. He does have Najee Harris and Zeke, but again, Zeke is definitely a guy I could see on the move. Could include Pollard, maybe not. Depends on what the person getting Zeke wants, Uh, but he definitely needs some running backs. Mark Ingram, not going to do it. Wideouts, he's got a seven. I gave him a score of seven just because a lot of his guys are like wide receiver threes. He doesn't have any wide receiver ones if you look at his roster. Uh, Sorry, I gave that a nine. I was still looking at little slads. So nine, that's his main focus. I assume he's going to be taking a wide out at the 105. 
Tight end, I gave him a score of one because he has Hunter Henry and George Kittle. I think he's fine. Will, quarterback, I gave him a one. Don't even need to talk about it. He's got Justin Fields, Dak, and Herbert. Running backs, I gave him a score of six because James Robinson, unfortunately, going to be out for quite some time and without question lost his job already to ETN, who's going to be coming back. Got to get a running back somehow. Wideouts, a five. And Will's another interesting one. He's got a lot of picks, but I could also see him fully committing to a rebuild. Depends on what he wants to do. He's right in the middle, and he'll admit it later as well. Wideouts, I have him at a score of five. Um, that could also be like borderline six, just because he doesn't have any like superstars, with the exception being Chris Godwin, who unfortunately was hurt. Tight ends, I have him as a two. I think he should be fine, unless there's a best player available in the draft. D Slaggy at his quarterback. He needs a five, or I gave him a score of five. He needs a consistent second behind Mahomes. Right now it's like Teddy Bridgewater, Carson Wentz, just just not good. He needs a, a consistent second quarterback. Running back, oh my. I gave him a score of nine. He's got Christian McCaffrey, and then he's got James Conner, who inevitably is going to get hurt. We have um, also Mike Davis. He needs a running back some way, shape, or form, and he's got to capitalize because if he's got Mahomes and Kelsey and Diggs, there's no reason he should not be trying to go all in with whatever way possible, even if that meant moving Kelsey or moving Mahomes or McCaffrey. Wide receiver, I got him as an eight just because he has no depth, and we saw that. Like Jarvis Landry is one of his top wide receivers. He just traded away Devontae Smith to me. Doesn't really have that many wide receivers he can plug in in the flex or starters. Tight end, I got him as a seven. He does have Kelsey, so you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Kelsey's also 30, what, three? He's going to hang it up somehow, and he's going to slow down. He's got to get someone, he's got to have a plan for when Kelsey's gone, whether that be moving him now for a younger stud or just getting rid of him um, and redrafting. Then we move on to Randy. Randy, I think he's still in a pretty solid spot. Quarterback, I gave him a one. He did a great job getting Davis Mills, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, who wasn't that impressive, but Kirk Cousins, he should be fine for quarterback. Doesn't need to think about it. Running back, I gave him a score of a four right now because he's got Delvin Cook and Nick Chubb. Uh, Wide receiver, I gave him a score of six um, because of his depth. You know, running back, you could even raise that to a five just for the depth piece. Tight end, I gave him a score of a two. I don't think that's an area you should focus on. He found something good with Dalton Schultz, and he's got Dallas Goddard. Justin, quarterback, I gave him a score of seven because he needs a second quarterback. Taysom Hill, not the answer. You definitely don't want to be grabbing someone off free agency. Running back, score of a nine. Um, Now, again, this is one that could definitely be scored lower. Maybe if I moved it down to a seven. But the only reason I gave it a nine is because outside of Sony or uh, Cam Akers, I should say, and Jonathan Taylor. He's got nothing, so he's got to get another running back, especially to help him out on bye weeks and in the flex spot. Wideouts, he's completely fine. I gave him a score of three. Doesn't need to worry about wideouts. Tight end, I gave him a score of three as well. He should be fine there. He's got Kasicki and Logan Thomas. Andy, quarterback, I gave her a score of one. I think she's fine um, having Burrow and Stafford, unless she would move one. Running back, I gave her a score of five right in the middle. Just, again, for depth pieces. Wide receiver, I gave her a score of five. And the tight end gave her a score of five as well. She has a few 
that are going to get the job done, but no one that's over the top, like Cole Komet, Robert Tunyon, Irv Smith. Probably could get another guy with how much depth and like star-studded players she has, but depends on how she wants to go with it. So, again, these are all obviously my opinion, but hopefully I made some good points as it comes to positions of need. Looking at it from the perspective of what the main focus should be for each of these teams position-wise, lefty's got to be running back. Myself has to be quarterback. Ryan for sure has to be running back. Little Slads, oh my God, please get him a tight end. Candle, I'd assume wide receiver. Will, running back depth. D Slacky, running back and wide receiver depth. Randy, probably wide receiver depth. Justin, running back depth. Andy, wherever. She's fine. So you can see the, the common theme for a lot of these teams, though, is maybe not necessarily absolutely needing a running back, but just getting some guys behind because obviously we know running backs have the most wear and tear of any position. Let's get started. Let's talk about this mock draft. So I'm going to just go through. This is obviously way too early. I'm just going ahead with who I've seen tape on, kind of looking at other mocks, players that have scored really high that were great in college. Let's start with the 101. The 101 is myself, Bucks and Six selects, Brees Hall, running back out of Iowa State. So he was the running back one if he would have been in last, last year's class. Um, he does get decently involved in the passing game but you know right now Brees Hall is the guy at the top in the running back class um, and obviously me and lefty could definitely use a running back so it'll just kind of depend on a variety of things combine senior bowl for some of these players um, and then also obviously draft capital spent and then team landing spot Second pick, with the second pick in the For the Throne way too early mock draft, lefty selects Isaiah Spiller, running back from Texas A&M. I don't really know too much about him. I just know that he uh, had a lot of yards and decently involved in the passing game. But lefty needs a running back. So, With the third pick, Prince Palmer selects Kenneth Walker, running back from Michigan State. He did transfer from Wake Forest. I was just watching tape on him this morning. He does not get involved in the passing game. So he's one of those Jonathan Taylor type guys where I think he can catch passes. He just won't be used as a weapon with that in mind. With the fourth pick, Prince Palmer selects Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State. Now again, I'm doing this mock draft just to get you guys familiar with some names, but Garrett Wilson should be a guy that you already know by now. He is by far the, I guess if you want to call him, NFL-ready, the most NFL-ready quarter or wide receiver. He could fit into a lot of different teams and really, really help them out. I really like Garrett Wilson. <clears throat> With the number five pick, <clears throat> Candle Still Lit selects Traylon Burks, wide receiver from Arkansas. Now, I've made it very clear my love for Traylon Burks. But I don't really need a wide receiver, so I think I'm going to have to sadly let him go past the 101. Traylon Burks is a guy with a very, very high ceiling. Think about him as like a DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown combo player. He has that type of potential. He is so fast. He's going to run like a 4-4, just like a running back at the combine without question. He's very, very good. You just need to watch his tape. If Candle got him at 105, holy shit. 
Depends. Is he is Ryan going to be looking for a more NFL ready player or a guy with a higher upside? Something he's got to decide. With the 106, Will selects Drake London, known as a guy. I'd even compare him to Kenny Galladay. A lot of jump balls. Um, and he's probably going to go the highest of any wide receiver in the draft. So Will basically takes best player available here. D Slacky at the 107 does a little bit of a reach, but he needs it. He drafts Kyron Williams, the running back out of Notre Dame. So, you know, he's obviously needs to get a running back desperately, whatever cost. So Kyron Williams definitely would fit in to his depth chart. With the 108, Bucks and Six selects Jamison Williams, wide receiver out of Alabama. Jamison Williams would have been a lot higher, but I think that a lot of people in our league will play it a little bit more safe. Jamison Williams will not be ready for the first six, seven, eight games of the season. Tore his ACL in the national championship game. Kind of a sad injury for him. He has a high high ceiling, um, but you know injuries obviously can can definitely scare off some NFL teams, let alone some for the throne teams. With the 109, Will selects Jahan Dotson, wide receiver out of Penn State. I was just watching some tape on this guy, and holy crap, is he fast. He absolutely destroyed the Badgers uh, twice. So Jahan Dotson, I know Will is, is kind of high on him as well. That would be a great pick for Will to get at the 109. At the 110, Andy selects Chris Olave wide receiver from Ohio State. For a very long time, he was ranked the number one wide receiver in this class. He was especially the number one wide receiver at Ohio State. A lot of people are starting to pick Garrett Wilson as the guy, but Chris Olave is a pretty good wide receiver. With the 111, we have the first quarterback off the board as Bucks and Six selects Kenny Pickett from University of Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett, he had a great year. He'll be at the Senior Bowl. I'm excited to watch him. He has very small hands, though. Uh, so, you know, some quarterbacks, that's fine. Most, that doesn't work out for. Uh, but Kenny Pickett is the pick at a 111. With the 112, Will selects David Bell, wide receiver out of Purdue. You know, Rondell Moore was the main guy out of the slot there for Purdue. He was ranked higher, but David Bell is is right there with him. That concludes the first round of this mock draft. Way too early. Let's move on to the second round. And Lefty is on the clock with the one oh with the two oh one, and he selects Matt Corral, quarterback out of Ole Miss. Matt Corral is probably going to be drafted the highest, if I had to guess, of all the NFL quarterbacks this year. You could go if you look at who's in the top ten, you could go to a variety of teams like the Falcons, the Giants. Uh, the Panthers, I believe, people have been putting him in the Vikings. Rain's going to be disgusted to hear that. But Matt Corral could really help Lefty out and give him another quarterback to depend on. With the 202, Will selects Alabama running back Brian Robinson. He was pretty good this year for Alabama. Really, anybody that fits into Alabama is going to be great. He'll be interesting to watch at the uh, Senior Bowl as he's a fifth-year senior. But Brian Robinson could go on to a good team that needs a running back. 
with the 203, Prince Palmer finally gets a quarterback. He drafts Sam Howell, quarterback out of North Carolina. I know that he saw him when he went to uh, he went to watch Northwestern get absolutely embarrassed by Duke uh, with Mike. Shout out. But Sam Howell, I think that was the game where him and I don't even remember who they were playing, but they scored like 98 points in Virginia Tech or something like that. Sam Howell's been a top-touted quarterback for a long time. So we'll see how that works. With the 204, Little Slads is on the board with his first pick. And he's going to love this guy. He selects the top-ranked tight end, Trey McBride, from Colorado State. I've heard great things about him. Um, he's got a very, very high ceiling. And obviously, Little Slads can get any tight end that someone will throw his way. Trey McBride heads the Little Slads. With a 205 candle, still lit, is back on the board. And he drafts one guy that I'm going to be very interested where he lands in our For the Throne draft and the NFL draft. He selects wide receiver George Pickens, who is rated as one of the top wide receivers for a very long time, but has a very deep injury history. He only had one catch for around 50 yards in the national championship game. But George Pickens has been on the top of a lot of people's dynasty boards for a long time. But the amount of injuries he has makes him a very polarizing prospect. Let's move on to the 206. This is an absolute Randy pick right here. So that's why I made it. With the 206, Randy selects James Cook, the brother of Delvin Cook. I think even if someone else gets James Cook, Randy will be hot on the line to try to get him via trade. Don't really have a reason outside of that's just a Randy pick. The 207, Will is on the board, and he selects Justin Ross, the wide receiver out of Clemson. He is one of Trevor Lawrence's longtime weapons. I think he also had like a season-ending injury. That might have been the year that we – I think Justin actually drafted him in our college football league, and he was like <laughs> – he got lost for the season like right during the draft or something like that. But Will selects Justin Ross. Pretty decent – uh, upside for him. Amari Rogers was also from Clemson, though, and yikes, is he bad? Okay, then next we got the 208. Andy is on the board, and she selects another Alabama wide receiver because they translate into the NFL. John Mechie, who did have a season-ending injury as well at a very crucial time, but Andy selects John Mechie. Justin is on the board. At the 209, and he selects quarterback from Liberty, who's going to be also interesting to watch what happens with him, Malik Willis. He is a guy that definitely uses his legs, basically like a Kyler Lamar clone. Went to a very small school. This has worked out for some and not for others. But Malik Willis will be a great fantasy asset as long as someone commits to him as the franchise quarterback. At the 210, Andy is back on the clock, and she selects Rachad White, running back out of Arizona State. Again, he is the next running back on the list. Uh, we can never have too many running backs, especially at this point of the draft. It does fall off a bit, I would say, ugh, even at the end of the first round. It's just a lot of wild cards and not people that you're super excited about. But, you know, obviously a lot of these guys can can't produce and it depends on their draft capital that's used on them but Rashad White is a running back out of Arizona State 
with the 2-11. Andy is back on the clock, and she selects another running back, Kennedy Brooks out of Oklahoma. Again, as you can hear, I'm typing and researching some of these guys, but I'm just basing it off of rankings that I see. Uh, I know that Kennedy Brooks was used a lot at Oklahoma, um, especially in that high-talented offense for uh, Lincoln Riley. But Andy selects Kennedy Brooks. And then finally, with the 212, Will gets on the board and takes a second tight end of the draft, takes Jalen Weidermeyer, who is also a very highly touted guy uh, out of Texas A&M. So we have our second Texas A&M player drafted, with the first being Isaiah Spiller from Lefty. So, you know, you can never have too many tight ends. And as I made previous mention of, Will could definitely value getting another tight end in this draft. So that's really all I got for the way-too-early 101 Meyer Mock draft. Thanks for listening. We'll transition into bringing Will in. Cascade. 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 Welcome into the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. This is the first episode after Cascade Bear was crowned the champion. We recently concluded our rule change proposals. Nothing happened, with the exception being cookies now being worth fab. And we also did our awards for the year. So we'll be going through those in a second. Um, we also had one trade go down, which trading season is now open. If you did not know, it went between myself and D Slacky. We started the season off. I traded away two first round picks, Darius Slayton and Diami Brown, who was a second round pick for me last year. And I got Devante Smith, a second and a third. Will, what were your initial thoughts on that trade? Oh, I should say below average WGL because that's his username right here. Yeah, I, I like to think that I'm basically average. I currently have a 500 record. But no, going to your trade um, and kind of taking a look at who you have now brought in. You, I really like your young receiving core. Um kind of interesting to see how, how many of those young receivers you're actually going to start between St. Brown from Detroit, Claypool, Mooney, uh, Smith now, Bateman, and Pittman. I don't know if there's plans in the works to maybe look at a trade, but you have a lot of young wide receivers, which looks good from a team standpoint, I guess. Um, lots, of, lots of guys that were rookies last year or who had good years this year and very valuable. I, I think, I think you did quite well. Um, you had a plethora of picks. So I think you, uh, I think you, end, I think you're going to end up just fine with, uh, how you came out of that trade. So obviously having 
eight first round picks in the next two years, I had to capitalize on that somehow. And as we talked about with Andy, when she had all those picks, eventually you can't, you got to do something with the picks and capitalize and grab someone as a result versus just continuing to just draft rookies. Yes, it looks good on your bench, but you obviously can only hit on so many guys. And looking from B. Slacky's standpoint, too, he acquires two first round picks. I, you know, not knowing who had what picks before this trade went down, he gets some value there. Um, Darius Slayton, um, I mean, he's got, he plays for the Giants, but um, that's going to be an offense to watch as they go over uh, an overhaul now that Joe Judge is gone. Um, and, and he barely squeaked into the playoffs, D. Slacky did. So, um, the picks are very good to have, I would say. So that way he could maybe replace what he had with Smith there. So it's that time. Let's get into the For the Throne awards ceremony. So let's get some awards music on here. What do you think? Yep, just showed up here to the red carpet. I don't see any... Uh... I don't see anybody else here but you and me, so. Why am I mentioned twice? I, I thought they were good trades. Because some, somebody likes to spend a little too much fab, and someone needed a quarterback. I don't know why they were uh, preposterous trades. Um, but if I had to if I had to go with one, I would say I gave Tyler a dollar, and I received nothing back. back. Winner of the award with 39% of the vote goes to... 
tie between Justin. Actually, it's 33% of the vote for each. Justin receives $5 fab in the sixth. Andy receives $1 fab. And Tom Brady and James Washington for J.D. McKissick in the third. A joint. I guess that was kind of a preposterous trade given Brady's season this year. So. I guess we also didn't have that bad, overwhelmingly bad trades. No I'm duplicate su- player this year. I'm surprised that Justin and the Andy deal did not win because Andy's receiving literally four dollars less than half. Him losing the bag. That makes no sense. That was my Next, we have the second annual Randy Comment or Complaint of the Year. The nominations are, number one, are you interested in Russell Wilson? Spaceballs responds, no, he is injured. Randy responds, he wasn't injured 25 days ago when I messaged you. Second, for the second straight year, Randy says, I will be optimizing my roster as I have been eliminated to find out if I would have won a hypothetical title. Third, really is a problem that we can't pick our opponent in the playoffs. Well, the vote says differently. And fourth, I would have clinched the bye if I hadn't traded one of Joey Bosa or Miles Sanders. Well, who do you think wins this award? I, even in the chat itself, I, I laughed super hard when Randy shared the picture with that trade going between him and Spaceballs. And all I had to say was, Wow. And that and that and that's what kind of ended up leading to why he's no longer in the sleep. But I would go with your first selection here because that's that's what I voted for. Because I, I laughed so hard when I saw that screenshot. The winner with 58% of the vote goes to. Are you interested in Russell Wilson? No, he's injured. He wasn't <laughs> injured 25 days ago. Congrats, Spaceballs and Randy. Your award's <laughs> coming in the mail. Oh God. Our next award goes to the IDP Army of the Year. Our nominations are Spaceballs, D Slappy, Cascade Bear, and Andy. We have a guess of who wins this award. I'm glad it's not me. I would say I'm gonna go with Spaceballs, seeing as he's not in our league, and I uh he's got a soft spot soft spot in my heart right now. The winner with 41% of the vote goes to Cascade Bear champion. Wow. Will we see a name change? The next award is the Rookie Draft Steal of the Year Award. The first nomination is Davis Mills, who was taken at 608. Second is Elijah Mitchell, who was taken at 411. Third was Mike Parsons, taken at 306. And finally, we have Mac Jones, taken at 310. Uh, I would say not Mac Jones, not Davis Mills, really not fantasy relevant. Um, between Parsons and Mitchell, I'm gonna go with Mitchell, a guy that I have you know a lot of interest in. Apparently, he's not for sale. Winner with 75 percent of the vote goes to Elijah Mitchell. Next, we have the nickname of the year award. First, we have Bum. Robbie Anderson. We have Xavier Woods in the team of Xavier Woods. <laughs> we have I like this guy in the team of Eagle Samuel. And finally, Bruce Egg Micah Sick for Micah Sick. 
surprised Zach Pascal didn't get a, a nomination here. This, did you drop he, him? I did drop him, yes. I think we went off of just current losses. I'm going to, just just for this purpose here, I'm going to go with Guseg Gasick from Justin's team. The winner, it was very even across the board. 33% of the vote goes to Bum. Robbie Anderson. <laughs> why? Do you remember why you named him Bum? He was pissed because he started him two, three straight weeks and he did nothing. And then the very next week, I think he went off about twenty. I thought it was because he like he went up for a catch and like completely got destroyed and got injured, and then he was starting him in an important matchup and <laughs> just like that changed his nickname. I don't remember. I'd have to ask him next time. Our next award is the Podcast Moment of the Year. This award last year was won by the Birth of Team Backflip. But we won that award. Now, our nominations. First, Justin St. Pierre drags half the league for not having teammates. Second, Bucks and Six go Steve Kornacki mode run analytics for who's alive in week 14. Third, Lefty grabs all the backup quarterbacks for the Packers. And fourth, Jake jumps on the podcast, the episode he's crowned champion. Give a guess for who wins. Mm, shoot. I, I would think that week where Tyler and I were kind of goofing off and I said, yeah, you know, it'd be funny if you acquired all the Packers specialists. I'm going to go with that one. I think that's the one I voted for. The winner with 41% of the vote for the second straight year goes to Lefty, grabbing all of the backup Packer wide receivers. Congrats no, time. for your back-to-back podcast. Will he free? That's why we do it. Next, we have the Fanny Football Foam nominations are Alan Robinson, Christian McCaffrey, Terry McLaurin, and Darren Waller. Who do you think was the biggest involvement? Out of those four guys, I would think Alan Robinson should win that award for this year. The winner with 50% of the vote goes to Alan Robinson. We have the IDP MVP award. Nominations are TJ Watt, Boisada Luakon, Darius Leonard, and Micah Parsons. Yes. Gotta give it to TJ Watt and those 22 and a half sacks. What a monster year that I didn't really like pay attention to until the end of the year. A blowout in this one. With 75% of the vote goes to TJ Watt. <laughs> Next, we have the Fantasy Football MVP Award. The nominations are... Josh Allen, Jonathan Taylor, and Mark Andrews. Number one at each of their respective positions. Oh, tough one. But I think just off of it this year alone, I got to give it to Cooper Cup. That's my guess. 67% of the vote is Cooper Cup. We have Offensive Fantasy Rookie of the Year. Jalen Waddle. Sorry, I don't think it's St. Brown. For this one, I'm gonna have to probably say I voted for uh, I voted for Chase in this one. Chase 
Beatrice did win with 67% of the vote. Second was Amon Rossi. Great future for him. Next, we have the Defensive Fantasy Rookie of the Year nominations. Micah Parson, Patrick Sertan, Jalen Phillips, and Nick Bolton. Surprisingly, out of those four, four names, I only recognize Parsons. I, I kind of wanted to check to see who had Bolton. Looks like Randy's got him, but for this award, I think it, I think it goes to Parsons. Yeah, there wasn't really a close second place. Micah Parsons was defensive fantasy rookie of the year with 100% of the vote. We have the kicker of the year award. Nominations are Chris Boswell, Nick Folk. Tucker and yeah, for this one, I think, it, you know, I don't remember who I voted for, but if I had to give kicker of the year, I'm going to go with Tucker because he made that 66-yard kick in Detroit. That deserves some sort of award, and I, I think he's very well deserving of this kicker of the year. Am I right? Unfortunately, he did not win the award. With 42% of the vote, it's Nick Folk. Good year from Folk. Even though it was funny because I had him in a couple of weeks and he was literally questionable all 14 weeks of the regular season entering into the game. Played every single game. Next, we have the Trade of the Year Award. Nominations are Lefty Graft, Miles Sanders, and Draft Captain for Great Month. Cascade Graft, Jalen Hurts, and AJ Green for a first and roster jump. Slack, he gets Mahomes, James Connor, a second and a third. Ryan Tannehill, Clyde Edwards, Blair, first. And Sturt Daddy gets Eckler, Woods, two seconds for Chris Carson, Hayden Hurst, and Josh Jacobs. I think D Slack, he ended up quite well on that Patrick Mahomes, James Connor trade. So I'm going to, he's going to get my vote there. He did win it. You can send mine in PDF form to my new computer. 
All right. Well, next thing we're going to do here, and really the last thing we discussed, right? Yeah. I guess we're maybe playing games, but the last thing we want to discuss here is I'm just going to throw a team name at Will, and he's just going to kind of give his perspective and what he believes to be, I don't know, maybe the ultimate goal of this this person in the off season, just as it relates to their team. Is that kind of what you were thinking of doing? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, these are all just amateur opinions. Um, just kind of seeing if, you know, if I, if I got their roster, how would I make improvements to try and be a little bit more competitive for next year? So the very first team, we're going to start from bottom and work our way up. The first team, for Will to kind of analyze and give his thoughts on is lefty. So lefty's team, what do you think? So for starters, he's got a lot of good pieces, uh, young pieces that I do like. Um, Waddle and Lamb obviously are the top two that I see. His uh, He kept Gronkowski through all this time, um, though I'm kind of curious to see as he gets older, um, I don't know how long Brady's going to continue to play. Um, how much value value he'll continue to have. That Minshew trade he made with Randy might actually end up paying off just because Minshew is a good free agent here this offseason. So honestly, that, that could be a, a name to watch. He is kind of thin at the running back position. Um, I, he does have Miles Sanders. Um, he does also have Gainwell. So you know, kind of that handcuff there. But I had to guess through the draft this year as he holds 102, he's probably going to target the next best running back. Um, not sure what, what the plan is at 101 or who's planning on going first. He's got a lot of guys I think he's going to end up, you know, maybe either trying to cut or maybe trying to trade to improve. I, I would say at one position he should improve upon would be likely at running back. It doesn't hurt in this draft too to maybe consider the options at quarterback as well, even though it's really not that deep of a quarterback class. Yep. What are your thoughts? Yep. I think definitely running back, <clears throat> which we've talked about the last two years. Unfortunately, he did take Melvin Gordon in the first round and that really didn't work out for him. Um, even though Melvin Gordon's <clears throat> had a solid year at Denver, definitely running back. He's going to have his opportunity to take one. If he wants to capitalize on that, the one Oh two, even if he doesn't like his options, I'm sure someone would trade for the one Oh two in exchange for a young running back that's kind of the route he wanted to take. Um, the tight end position is also something he's going to have to take a look at as he does have a lot of older vets. I know John Smith's not that old in age or Hunter Henry. So I guess he could kind of serve. I don't even think he has Hunter Henry, to be honest. I think uh, Candle does. But, but yeah. John Smith, I know he has, and then he's got Gronk. Um, the, we obviously know he wants to compete every single year, as he makes mention of. But I think he, if – there's not really that many top tight end options, but maybe that's somewhere that he wants to explore in the trade route. Running back for sure has to be his main target, I would assume, this offseason. Next team we yep. have is my team. So obviously I'm not going to provide my commentary as I kind of know what route I want to take, but what would be your insight just from a neutral perspective? First and foremost, I'm kind of curious to see who you're going to have at quarterback. Um, your quarterbacks right now, include uh, free agent to be Jameis Winston. Um, and then there's also Cam Newton as well. Not sure the the plans of Carolina, if they plan to go quarterback here in this draft. You also got uh, Tannehill, which is a great game manager, but not necessarily a good dynasty quarterback. 
I, if I look at the rest of your you know roster here, I'd be curious to see if you could maybe get anything out of Michael Thomas. If, if for sure he'll be fully healed by the start of the year, I'm kind of curious to see how ETN and Dobbins will do uh, coming off an of injury, but there's a lot of young pieces here to be excited about. Um, you got Albert O, you got Noah Fant, you got Fryer Muth, and you got a bunch of very young wide receivers. I know you can only start um, just kind of by, off of our player eligibility. You can only start maybe four on most given weeks, but I'd be curious if maybe you try to move one of those for maybe another another key piece to your team. So um, otherwise a very, very good lineup um, with lots of young and upcoming stars, which with Dynasty, I feel like your goal is kind of just to try to stay young and active and productive as long as you can. So you definitely are uh, you're achieving that right now with what you got so far with trades and with picks. So the next selection is or the next team is going to be Ryan's team. So Prince Palmer, he obviously the nice thing for him is he's going to have back to back picks. Um, he, had, he had two first round picks last year, too, where he took. Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts, and obviously that worked out for both. Uh, but he again has back-to-back picks here. I'm a little bit of a what people consider weaker draft, but obviously having two top five picks is huge for him. What do you think about Ryan's team? He's got three of the top 24 picks, if you count 103, 104, and 203. I don't know, just kind of from looking at his roster, I think the reason why he struggled this year was just due to injury. Um, I look at Chase Young. I look at DJ Chark who was on IR, finished the season on IR, and then Kenyon Drake. Um, but just kind of looking at the active guys that are out there, I feel like he's got maybe one or two top guys, and then there's really not a whole lot of depth behind that. So um, I do like his building blocks of like Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, um, Chase Edmonds. He's got Alvin Kamara too. I'd be curious if maybe he looks to move Kamara here this offseason. I was just about to say that if he wants to try and maybe, you know, build that depth a little bit better, see if anyone's looking for a running back one. Um, I don't really know the state of the Saints offense or what direction they'll go, but that would be a good place to start. Um, DJ Moore, I'm a big fan of as well. Um, Galladay had a disappointing year. I don't know if you would try to maybe see if there'd be a team out there looking to maybe round out their wide receiver depth and take a chance on them. But Again, he's he's got a lot of pieces here that look good. Like he's got Lamar, but even he had a down year as well. So I think the most important priority for him is just kind of building those depths at those uh, at those positions, especially especially at wide receiver. Yeah, I I personally I'd pinpoint his running backs just because I just looked at the contract situation for Chase Edmonds and he's a free agent. So you know the Cardinals really had a really productive season from James Conner this past year. I would assume they're going to try to bring him back. Could be wrong on that, though. Um, But if they also like what Chase Edmonds brings, he's only 26 at the beginning of next season. So, you know, that's an option they could pursue. But outside of that, I mean, like his running back, two is Tony Jones Jr. What? Um, So I got Kenyon Drake. That's really it. He's got to find some running backs for sure because he doesn't really have any that he could really start. But – if he's trying to go a younger route, it doesn't make any sense at all for him to even have Kamara. I mean, Kamara, you can say he's young, but not for a running back. He's about to be 27 entering next year. He's going to be uh, in his sixth season. And additionally, 
Uh, we don't really know what the quarterback position is, and obviously he gets a lot of points from his dump-offs. He had a couple really good games this year, but not the Kamara that we're used to. Especially, I mean, he was a he was ranked at number eight running back, but I feel like he wasn't as purely dominant on a consistent basis as he has been in the past. His value is completely dependent upon who his quarterback is, so um, that's going to be one player to watch this offseason. Our next team is Little Slads. So Little Slads, unfortunately, doesn't have a first-round pick. He traded in a deal at the trade deadline with Ryan where he acquired T. Higgins. So that is a good, decent trade for him, especially with the out the outburst of Joe Burrow. Um, but let's take a look at Little Slads' team here. And, you know, at the top, his quarterbacks are Tom Brady and Jared Goff. I'm sure he'd like to get a little bit younger there as well, uh, knowing that once Tom Brady's gone, he's leaning on Goff. And additionally, Goff might not even be a guaranteed starter, knowing that the Lions kind of are in a rebuild right now. I mean, they're always in a rebuild, but yeah. Don't forget about the future. He's got the future also sitting on the bench. Um, this is going to be a big weekend for uh, for the Packers. If they can't get past the Niners, maybe Rodgers just decides, hey, I can't win here in Green Bay. It's time to move on. And then the next gunslinger for the Green Bay Packers in waiting is the future, Jordan Love. Um, I, I don't see I don't see both of them being on the Packers next year. So it's probably going to be either one or the other. Um, that's definitely something to keep in mind, but I kind of consider Jordan Love to be a definite lotto ticket at this point, too. Also, also based off of what we've seen, right. Uh, and then like, if you look at all those other positions, Damian Harris, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson was really good last year. Pretty sure this is Damian Harris's last year in his contract. Let me do a quick Google search here. Obviously, he was drafted from Alabama. Um, he was really, really solid down the stretch not really in the playoffs, which didn't really concern him because he wasn't in the team. So it looks like he has one year left, but it's non-guaranteed. They can actually cut him. And um, the cap hits around $1 million, which is around what his contract is. But um, I don't I don't think they're going to cut him. I could be wrong on that. It, it, it's really not much of a cap hit um, if they were to move on from him. I liked what he did in my auction league. I've kind of been looking at him in, in trade discussions as well. Um if he could have had a better year out of Terry McLaurin, who knows what his team might have looked like. Um, I know he kind of struggled this year. Uh, just looking at what he has for picks, he just has a second round pick left. So I'd be curious if he would move maybe a couple of these players um, that he kind of maybe has extras of, which I would say wide receiver. Be curious if he moves any of those for picks. Yes, but he's got, I mean, he's got to get, Terry McLaurin's the face of the Washington franchise, and they don't even know who their quarterback is. That's not good. He doesn't have any tight ends at all. Derrick Henry is – you can say what you want about him, but I mean, he's going to be 29 entering next season. He's coming off a pretty serious injury. We'll have to see how he does here in the playoffs because that could really determine his value. Like if I'm if I'm little slads, I might be sniffing out in the next, you know, couple days even before the Titans play on Saturday and see if he can get anything of big value because – if he doesn't produce and he looks not good, that's not going to be a good outlook for someone in dynasty going into the off season, especially teams that are very running back uh, hungry. But if, if for some reason we do see Henry start to decline, I think he's got a lot of good young backs to be excited about between Dylan Stevenson and Singletary. Oh, so he has Stevenson too. Okay. So he's basically got two solid running backs in new England with whatever they do. That's good. 
Yep, good to have a backup plan. Our next team is Candle Still Lit. Welcome to the league, rookie. So if we take a look at Candle Still Lit, who is taking over for Spaceballs team, um, I immediate thoughts, and he even admits it, he's got to do something about the wide receiver position. Right now his top three wide receivers, if you count in Allen Robinson, you got him, you have Tyler Boyd. Like some of these guys are just kind of middling. So Tyler Boyd. Allen Robinson, which who knows what's going to happen with him next. Marquise Brown, Brandon Ayuk. He doesn't really have a top-tier guy. And his running back depth is really bad as well. I mean, he's got Zeke Pollard and Najee Harris, but not anything else. I, I do like the fact that he's got um, guys like Tim Patrick. I'd be curious who the new quarterback will be in Denver. I don't see it being Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, but – I, I would think that he will need to improve there at the wideout position. Quarterback's also another question mark because, again, with Aaron Rodgers, this could be his last year in Green Bay, especially if they win a Super Bowl. I, if, if the Packers were, were to win a Super Bowl, could you confidently tell me that he would be back next season? It's all up in the air right now. So between him, he's also got Daniel Jones. And then he's also got uh, Deshaun Watson, which, heck, we don't even know if he's going to even have a team again next year. So that would maybe be a, a position of need looking, you know, moving forward. He does have Zach Wilson there kind of waiting there on the taxi, which he'll probably elevate. But I'd be, I'd be kind of interested to see if he takes a quarterback um, within the first three rounds of the draft. Okay, so our next team then is yours. I'm sure you don't want to comment on it. I'm going to keep my opinions to myself, but I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. So your team right now has three very exciting quarterbacks, two, one including the MVP, Dak Prescott, and then you have Herbert, who uh, Herbert is obviously a top three quarterback in Dynasty, um, especially being in Brandon Staley's system, where, yes, it does matter that they go for it on, like, every single fourth down. That's higher potential for fantasy points. Um, and then you have Justin Fields, who – Depends on who his coach is going to be. Hopefully they hire a guy that can utilize his strengths because Matt Nagy could definitely not. If you look at your running backs right now, you're looking at Michael Carter, um, <laughs> Gibson. And I mean, are those really your, yeah, those are really your go-to guys, but luckily for you, you have a top six pick. I don't know if they were going to necessarily take a running back on that, but you have a ton of picks looking at it. I mean, just like me, you have three firsts, you have three seconds, and then obviously the rest is kind of grab bag. But you do have a lot of depth that you could really capitalize on if you're trying to win, getting some vets, or you could go ahead and uh, just continue to replenish with youth and depth as well, just in the younger area. I like Hawkinson as your tight end. You're uh, With Thielen, I, the window's kind of closing on him. I mean, obviously being... Uh, he's injured like every single season, but he's 31, going to be entering next season at 32. So, and then Elijah Moore, I really like Elijah Moore um, for you as well. I mean, right now, I don't really know what you could do, except for just the main thing I would say you should prioritize is, are you trying to win? Are you trying to win right now? So then obviously you'd want to turn those picks into more vets, or are you okay with more of like a younger build? Or then you'd obviously want to keep those picks or try to capitalize and move up in the draft. Or maybe I'll be honest. Different drafts. 
uh, and I'll be honest, it's, it's really a tough position to be in just because I just missed out on the playoffs yet again. I, I think it was like maybe two games out last year. So I'm kind of trying to decide what direction do I want to go? Do I feel like I do have the team right now that could make that next step and I'm just maybe a, a piece or two away or do I just decide to sell off? It's, it's kind of a tough spot to be in, to tell you the truth, just because I'm really not sh- I obviously want to be competitive, but I'm not sure the best direction here moving forward. I think I got, I think I got, to tell you the truth, based off of this year, two very good quarterbacks. And so it's just going to be a matter of trying to maybe find a home for one of them. So mm-hmm. stay tuned. It's going to be an interesting offseason. Um, going back, because I forgot to make mention of this as well, for Candle Still Lit, he's another one that has to, immediately coming into the league determine his identity does he want to rebuild or does he want to compete Spaceballs obviously was right on the edge both years of making the playoffs just a game out actually i think he just lost on the purely on the tie break so you know does candlestill think that he can actually compete for the playoffs and when he's in there compete for a title or does he want to go the younger route and then get rid of some of his vets or capitalize he's got to decide that Pretty, pretty soon, I mean, to be honest, because if he just starts waiting off, you never know what's going to happen. Mediocrity, I would assume. The next team we got is D. Slaggy. So D. Slaggy luckily was able to rebuild a little bit of his draft capital that he gave away, grabbing those two first-round picks from me for Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith was his first-round pick last year. He was kind of disappointed. Again, I gave the perspective of I'm just trying to build on the – the hype and the potential around him. And eventually I'm going to have to do that with how many picks I have, but he needs those picks. This is a common theme for just about every single team in our league, but he really has to prioritize the running back position. He has Christian McCaffrey and Mike Davis. Those are his two running backs and James Conner. Not good, especially when you factor in their age and injury history. James Conner. I felt the pain of it from his entire career. Not good. Uh, he's going to have to figure out what he wants to do with the running back position. He might have to cut ties with some people to to offset that. Whiteouts, he has Diggs and Hunter Renfro. He's very high on Van Jefferson. And then he's also got Jarvis Landry, but there's just no depth there. That's got to be the main focus is trying to turn some of these picks into actual depth, whether that be he's trying to get a rookie that he thinks has very high potential or, like you, trading them for vets that are actually going to make an impact on his team. To be honest, if you're asking me, he's got to try to get some vets right now because he's got Kelsey at his tight end position. He's a top two, what tight top two, maybe. I mean, if you say top one tight end right now, but he's look at his age right now. He's 32 years old. He'll be entering the year at 33 years old. He's got to capitalize on that. He's got digs, young, but still got to make a decision. Um, and then yeah. Mahomes obviously in his prime. And having that stack is massive. That's my opinion. I think he's got to get more depth because he doesn't have it right now. Yep. I, I would say look for him to maybe make a trade for a tight end here this off season, like a tight end too. Um, don't know really the teams and I'm not, I'm not going to say the teams that maybe have extra tight ends that they'd be willing to trade, but it's like, he's got like a million wide receivers. So trying to figure out who's going to stick around, who's going to be a part of the future. Um, and I would maybe look at maybe seeing if there'd be somebody who would take a chance on McCaffrey because yes, the hype is around him, his name and what he can do, but he's often injured. I'd be curious to see 
what teams out there would pay the price and bite the bullet and see what he could do maybe in a healthy year if he would if you were to stay healthy. So McCaffrey still has a very, very high value in my eyes, even with the injury. But that's I'm glad that you brought him up because that's the perfect guy for him to capitalize on. Yes, he's coming off of an injury, but he's going to be fine going into next year. And that's a player that he could honestly get multiple players to help his depth rather than just trying to get as many picks as he can. That's not going to help unless he's trying to go into a full rebuild. Then you trade Kelsey. Then you trade Mahomes. Right. The next team I want to look at is Randy's team. So Randy is, I would say, competing. You know, he's always right in it. You look at his team, he's got two top-tier running backs in Nick Chubb and his handcuff, Dalvin Cook and his handcuff. Quarterback, he's got Russell Wilson. We don't really know what's going to happen this offseason. You know, does he get traded? Does he stay in Seattle? Do they bring in some weapons? Antonio Brown, probably done for his career. Odell is having kind of a resurgence here in the playoffs he had a great last week um but then he's got aj brown mike evans a lot of lot of things to work with and a lot of guys that are in their top tier um if i had to look at his team i mean i guess he could just try to capitalize on more more depth same thing as kind of what we've been talking about he has no picks maybe that's something he could do try to build more pick depth for him because he's got a second and a sixth this year. That's it. Next year, he's got a first, second, and a fifth. That's it. I guess the sixth. So I kind of I gave Randy life when I made that trade with him to get Joey Bosa because uh, his only pick then was just the sixth-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's going to come to bite him down the line maybe after next year. Um, he does have a lot of good pieces here. Um, I'm it, a, a couple names to watch will be his quarterbacks as far as where they end up. Lots of rumors behind both Wilson and Cousins and potentially having different teams, but he does he is in great shape. I I would say right now, just alone based off of his roster build right now, he's probably going to be one of those top three teams next year, um, basically competing for the title again. I think the one name to look for this offseason as it comes to him and the NFL is Rashad Penny. Obviously I dropped him. I had him since draft day. Um, no, I actually, you know what? I think I got him from Sturt. Um, let's take a look here. I can look at his history. I clicked on him and picked him up for so Sturt draft him, cut him. I picked him up, cut him. Randy picks him up. Obviously Rashad Penny had a great end of the year, but he is going into free agency. He's been injured his entire career. You can't deny that Randy. Sorry, but that's one thing that's going to really be interesting to watch is what are teams willing to give him? What is the role they're willing to give him? If he comes back in Seattle, you'd have to assume even having Carson there who was undrafted and they gave him money. Uh, you'd have to assume he's going to be the guy. I mean, he was outstanding at the end of the season, but that's going to be an interesting case for Randy. Rashad Penny is definitely a guy he could sell high, high on right now, or he can wait it out but you're, lo- you're risking the potential of losing value on them. For sure. The next team then is Justin. So if we take a look at Justin, I already know without even opening his roster, number one priority has got to be the quarterback. Now you might be kind of shocked saying, wait a second, he's got Kyler Murray. First of all, he was junk this week on Monday. That might be something interesting to watch because I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is that good of a quarterback. But if you look at his backups, oh my God. Taylor Heineke, who probably won't be starting for Washington, and Taysom Hill, who even with his contract, 
I don't believe that Sean Payton in the franchise thinks he's the guy. So he's got to address the quarterback position. Not saying that Kyler's bad by any means, but he's been having to scrape people off waivers if anything were to happen. If Kyler Murray were to get injured, he's fucked at the quarterback position. Clear as day. I'm in the same boat. Obviously, I'll be addressing that this offseason. I'd be curious if he decides to cut Tariq Cohen <laughs> at this point. Uh, Cam, Cam Akers looked great on Monday coming off of that injury. Um, he's got a lot of good, exciting running backs. But, yes, um, I think that Heineke is going to probably revert back into a backup role. Um, just looking at the rest of his team. I, his draft was just awful. If you, if you look at his rookie draft from last year, so he took Trey Sermon in the first. He's pretty much irrelevant for the Niners. And he had um, the guy from the Panthers. What is his name? Uh, wide receiver. Terrace Marshall. Yes, Terrace Marshall Jr., also irrelevant. So just not good first two picks for him there. Just looking at his taxi, um, he's probably going to end up cutting probably five of those guys. Who do you think um, he keeps? I like Holland. I, possibly Holland, but I'm thinking more maybe along the lines of Smith Marset. Um, kind of came on towards the end of the year, had a great game against the Bears, kind of gave the Viking. I was at that game, you know, pure hell. But um, being at that game kind of showed signs of the future, especially with feeling getting older. Um, the Vikings, again, being over the cap that like they are, maybe looking to keep a guy like him moving forward, especially with special teams, um, and then doing some – plays on offense as well or in trickery it all depends on who they get in there as a, as a coach but he doesn't have a first um he's going to have to capitalize on possibly making an offseason trade for a quarterback too um which will be one to watch uh the rest of his team again just kind of improving with depth pieces um i do like braxton barrios came on towards the end cephas will be back next year with detroit i would think braxton barrios was on pmt last year last week or uh the, today it's a pretty funny interview. He's a free agent this year, so, so I'm curious where he's going to go. I would think he's going to earn himself a good paycheck yeah. um, based off of his last month of the year. But, again, I would just say look to improve. Um, but first priority, like you said, is probably quarterback. Then we get into who I would argue is by far and beyond. No, this might be – controversial but far and beyond the most valuable franchise in our league and it's andy now if you look at andy's team her team is currently built for a title and built for the future if you look at her team right now so she has a first three seconds next year she has um also well this year alone she has 11 picks so including a first and then, like I said, three seconds. But if you look at her team also, I mean, like her IR is pretty stacked. She's got Hopkins and Fournette and Tunyon. And that depends on how you view Irv Smith. But even if you look at her roster, I mean, she's got the Stafford Cup duo. She's got Joe Burrow. She has Justin Jefferson, who's the most valuable wide receiver in football. Or Jamar Chase, kind of pick or choose. DeAndre Swift, she's definitely built for a title. And I think even if you look at her picks, with how many she has, that's another position where she could go ahead and try to get, grab some vets to help her in the starting slots. What do you think? I think Andy's number one priority this offseason should be to not get too fancy with any of her moves. Because I think 
maybe making the wrong move might be detrimental to what she's trying to do. But she's got, again, you, you, you hit on the nail. She's got all the right pieces. She's going to have a lot of interesting cuts here um, when it comes down to roster um, cut down to start the year for 2022. But yeah, she's got, she's got a lot of great depth, um, you know, players that I'm definitely interested in um, obviously at, at her respective prices. But um, again, I, I would maybe look to see with Tyler Lockett in Seattle. I'm not sure of their quarterback situation, what she would do about that if she would look to move them. Um, but again, I I'm in awe about what she's been able to basically accomplish over the last two years basically going from maybe one of the worst teams in our league to now probably one of the best. Yeah, absolutely. Then we get into Sturk Daddy, who is coming off a championship and a runner-up position. Obviously, he finished 14-0, so it's not a shocker to say that he is also competing. He's got three top-tier running backs in Saquon, if healthy, and producing Eckler and Mixon. Um, Mixon kind of had a coming back year. I, I forecasted that he'd be really good as well. He's got Darren Waller, great tight end, Tyreek Hill, Mike Williams, Josh Allen. Like, oh, my God, his IDPs are just stacked. Obviously, we know Sturk Daddy will be competing for at least a few more years. If you look at his picks, he's not in the best pick situation, but I don't think he really needs to be, um, at least until, you know, 2023. Then we can kind of reconsider. Um, but what do you think about Sturk's team? If I were him, I would maybe look to try and – grab maybe a second um i know last year he was starting his draft um third and fourth rounds so in you know in, in order to keep your taxi squad somewhat relevant i would maybe try to do that and just maybe take a chance with a guy in the second round um kind of the talent drops off just like that um i know he kind of made some players made known available um but again kind of like andy i don't think he should make too many fancy moves just because one wrong move and all of a sudden you're kind of paying for it in the end. So if you look at his taxi, I don't think he's keeping any of those guys, maybe Granson, but that Granson and Roundtree, I don't see any of those other guys making the, Oh, rest. come on. We're, we're, we're not, we're not believing in Kellen Munn now, are we? Well, it, it depends. It depends on if they keep Kirk Cousins, no way he keeps Kellen Munn because he hasn't done anything to prove his position. I don't know. I'm just kind of giving you crap there. The, the, guy, the, guy, the, the guy doesn't know the playbook. I don't, I don't <laughs> think, I don't think he's going to have any relevance moving forward. So. And then finally we have our champion, which is Cascade Bear. Another team that is contending right now, as we rightfully know, um, you look all the way up and down his roster. He's deep. He has, you know, top tier guys like DK Metcalf, Mark Andrews, Debo Samuel, who really came off. And then the quarterback position, kind of still. I, I mean, I know Jalen Hurts was solid this year, but we don't really know how the Eagles are going to approach the draft. They have three first-round picks. And then outside of that, he's got Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, and Tyler Huntley. So kind of a lot of miscellaneous guys. He's got to hope that one of them helps him out in the playoffs. That could be a position that he kind of seeks out as the quarterback position. If he did and he got even a more safe option than Jalen Hurts, you'd have to assume he's the favorite going into next year, looking at the rest of his team. Maybe a little thin at wide receiver, but again, he's done a very good job with how he's built his roster to this point. The reason why I think he should maybe look at a wide receiver is just because if he were to lose 
maybe Debo again, or if he were to lose DK to an injury, just kind of his options behind there are pretty thin. Who knows what kind of a team Ridley is going to be on next year. Um, AJ Green is getting up there in age. So that might be something he looks at doing, um, kind of looking at his injured reserve. He's got Agnew from the Jaguars that he acquired in a trade for me. Um, he was kind of like the go-to gadget in that offense, but um, it's going to be kind of hard to see what Jacksonville does with their new head coach. Um, he's got five picks. He's got fourth round picks. Like we said, kind of in our awards, he kind of capitalized and got um, Elijah Mitchell here in the fourth. So yeah, I, I think for him, it's just going to be trying to improve at wide receiver. Um, maybe just maybe being comfortable with what he has, but I would maybe explore a trade here or there if you can. Especially with his depth behind the running backs that he's got between Jones, Herbert, Mitchell, and I would say Sony Michelle and even Montgomery. So, but he's got a really, again, he's got a pretty good roster makeup right now. I mean, even if you look behind Mark Andrews, he has Dawson Knox at tight end who really had a coming out season for Buffalo. And with Josh Allen there, you got to assume he's a weapon going forward. Yep. I, and that's a good option, like you said, for a flex piece. So maybe, maybe wide receiver is not even an option. Maybe he's going to go into next year thinking, I got a good team, maybe just kind of tweak it here and there. And then he'll be ready for another run or defending his title. And that's all we have for this episode of the For the Throne podcast. Obviously, Justin was not here. He is out with the flu. So hopefully he gets better in time for next week's episode. Thanks, Will, for joining me. We had fun on this episode. And thanks to all of you for listening on this episode of the For the Throne Dynasty podcast.